we looked at the ghosts of the past just to kind of to get things kicked off because it's something that, that haunts us all, right? Um, we all have things that we've done that we're not proud of, that we've went through, um, that are difficult for us to, to, to carry on with, right? They, they create elements of guilt and shame. So if you didn't get a chance to check that out, I encourage you to go back a few weeks, um, look for that message. That's where the podcast comes in, incredible hand, incredibly handy. You can check it out on YouTube, Facebook. Um, but, but we have to learn to, to handle that baggage, right, as we come into new relationships, as we come into new seasons of our lives. And then last week, we talked about the ghost of the present. And uh, that message was a little sharper than I intended it to be, but I think it got the point across, right, that, that we've got to live each day for the Lord, right? That we have to, to be aware of where we're at, what we're doing, and, and just the way that, that our actions impact our walk with God and our faith. And so today, we're going to continue that. The third ghost that, that visited Scrooge was the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And so what I want to talk about is the yet to come, because um, we're all heading somewhere, right? We're not at the end of our race. Hopefully, um, nobody leaves this room and expires tonight. And, you know, you've got a future, right? We're working towards something. So how do we approach that? How do we approach our future? Um, how do we approach the yet to come? How do we stay on track? What does that look like? So we want to check that out tonight. And the first thing to keep in mind is just like Scrooge was subject to a judgment, we're subject to a judgment, right? That, that life here is not permanent, it's temporary. And then there's something next. And in that next, this is kind of like the pregame, the setup to all of that. And so kind of, we want to start off in, in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.12, and it says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so as we develop our relationship with God, as we're reading our Bible, that, that it exposes things inside of us. And the writer of Hebrews continues. He says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. What an incredibly frightful thought, right? Nothing. That means um, every, every bird you flipped, I almost flipped it for real there. Um, in traffic, that would have been bad. Luckily, I got a gimpy hand. I couldn't do it. Um, but, but every time we make those mistakes and we cut somebody, cut somebody off or do any of that, Let's expose, right? God's aware of that. I mean, the things that we do, and we're sinful, broken people. Not one of us in here is perfect, but there's hope for our future. It says, so um, everything in all creation is hidden. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he's the one to whom we're accountable. And so in the Christmas carol, Scrooge is, is presented with this idea that he's building this chain of punishment that, that he has to bear. And the reality is that that's an option kind of for us too. We can choose to pay for our own mistakes, and there's a burden to be levied against that, or we can do something else. And that's revealed to us in verse 14. It says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. That's that promise that we have. That's the thing we want to look at. That's where our story deviates from the one of Scrooge, the, the one that, that relates to our lives. It deviates because we don't have to be good enough. We don't have to work hard enough. We only have to go boldly to the throne of a gracious God. And grace is that thing that's undeserved. And so when we're dealing with the ghost of the past, when we're dealing with the ghost of the present, when we're dealing with the ghost of yet to come, our future, we deal with it through the lens of Jesus and what he's done. Let us go boldly to... Um, <laughs> Let us go boldly. Uh, I missed, I can't even find it. Let us come boldly to the throne of a gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. 
So we receive his grace, that's undeserved, and we receive his mercy. And what that says is you're broken, but you don't have to pay for your mistakes, that, that you're gonna sin and mess up and you're gonna, you're gonna face things that, that my past is, is awful. It's awful, but thankfully I could come boldly to the throne of a gracious God. And you may have a similar past. And in the present, you know, there's things I've, I've done today that, that I could have done differently and, and thoughts I had and, and I could have approached them differently, but even dealing with the ghost of, of today that, that I can come boldly to a throne of a gracious God. I can receive his grace. And that's how we have to approach our future as well. So let us come boldly to the throne of a gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so tonight we're gonna begin just to shift that link how should you approach your future? How should you approach tomorrow? Should you be indifferent? Should you be worried? I mean, because when we think about it, it can be taxing. We can, we can suffer the anxiety, right? We can suffer the fear. There's nothing worse than thinking about five years from now when you're not in a good place. But I want you to know, you don't have to approach your yet to come with that type of, of spirit, with that type of mentality, with that type of fear, with that type of anxiety. And so tonight, as we get kicked off, point number one is this, the thing that we've got to know, that we've got to understand, is our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is when we're dealing with the future, when we're dealing with the yet to come, our hope is in Jesus. Now, that, that's counter productive, that's counterintuitive to what we naturally do um, because we put our hope in, in our jobs and our positions and our title, right? That, that I've got to squirrel away enough for the future, that, that my time and my energy goes to, to building my empire, right? That, that it's the weight of life rests firmly upon my shoulders. That's the trap that we fall into. That's the trap that we got to be good enough. We've got to make enough money. I've got to have the right relationships and the right people, um, but, but that's not our hope. And when we make it our hope, we begin to miss it. I mean, how many of us spend more time pursuing worldly objects and world relationships rather than investing in a relationship with Jesus? Jesus is our hope, man. The, the, God's word is clear on that, right? Our Bible reveals that to us. Writer after writer after writer reveals that, that our hope is in Jesus, yet I'll spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week working and toiling away, pursuing things of a natural world and stuff and not nearly that amount of time investing in a relationship in my hope, right? I'll get so worked up and so anxious over the Christmas season because I can't afford gifts for my kids or I can't afford bills or things like that rather than just focusing on what it's about, right? It's about redemption and grace and forgiveness and mercy, right? Those things that allow us to come boldly to his throne, allow us to be free from the past, allow us to live in the present differently. And we've got to remain focused on that truth that, that our hope is in Jesus. So I want to start tonight um, in Ephesians. Ephesians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to the church of Ephesus. I love Paul because Paul's past makes mine look better, right? Because he killed people. I didn't do that. Um, and so he's, he's a great guy to relate to because he's done worse stuff than probably most everybody in this room. Um, but Paul's letter to the Ephesians, um, to give a little context, he wrote it why he was in a Roman prison. And, and here's the thing. Paul was not in prison for knocking over 7-Elevens. Um, he was actually in prison for sharing the gospel. He, he didn't do anything wrong. In fact, he was in prison for doing the thing that he should be doing. And I don't know about you, but anytime I've been accused or punished for something I didn't do, I'm pretty angry and bitter. And, but Paul doesn't take that approach, right? He could have been mad at God. He could have been mad at the church. He could have been all sorts of things, but, but he remembered 
His hope is in Jesus. And so Ephesians verse one, um, uh, chapter one, verse six starts off. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Paul's in prison. Paul's chained. I mean, this isn't like the Rogers County bed and breakfast. Like this is, this is a tough place, right? I mean, there's that people die here, but he starts. So we praise God for our glorious grace that he's poured out on us. It's like, Paul, what grace are you receiving? You're in prison. You're getting beat and flogged and whipped. But his grace is poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. He's talking about freedom. Has he lost it? No, he, he, knows, he knows the secret, right? It's like the secret sauce. I mean, he, he knows. It's been revealed to him that, that his hope is not in this world. And so when we approach our future, we have to keep it in the context. And when the context is right, when our lens is aligned to the right thing, even in those bad places, even things that you may be facing this holiday season, you can approach differently. You can approach them like Paul. And he says, man, his grace has been poured out. He's purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all his wisdom and understanding. And Paul begins to paint this picture of the gospel. He begins to paint this picture of our hope and he continues, he says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. I love that. Paul realizes it's about God's plan. And he realizes that his hope is not in his ability. His, his hope's not found in his freedom. His hope is found in, in Jesus. And his plan's been revealed. And when you're on the same page as God, when you're moving in the same direction as the creator of everything, you can't lose. Right? Like, his victory is our victory. And Paul, he realizes this. And even though he's in a tough place, a tight spot, in a place where I would be angry and bitter, and, and likely you would be too, he, he sings God's praises and, and recognizes the freedom that's been purchased and it's just beautiful that we received, we received something from God to which he has fulfilled his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. I mean, so when our hope is in Jesus, we're on the right team, right? And, and, and when we pursue him, we have that promise that everything will be brought under him, his authority, his plan, his purpose. Anyone in here ever try to control everything? What, what a fruitless endeavor. How stressful is that? And typically, when we're struggling with that yet to come, right, that future, it's because we're trying to hold on to something that's not ours. That, that, that future, the plan, the purpose, it's not ours. And we got to relinquish it and realize our hope is never in us. It's not in our strength. It's not in my ability. I jacked my life up for 20 years. Some of you probably jacked yours up much longer. And it's because we tried to do this. Our hope is in Jesus and we have to, to hand it all over to him. And so he goes, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything, oh, look at that, everything work according to whose plan? His plan. When we have our hope in Jesus, when we, when we focus on him, everything will work out. It may not be the way you want it, It'll be the way you need it. The things will be moving forward in the right direction. And again, Paul wrote this. Just imagine, chained in a, in a dungeon, 
malnourished. Man, these things are not to my friend tonight. Uh, malnourished. He, he's in a bad place. He, he could be facing death, but, but this is what he writes. He chose us in advance. He makes everything work out according to his plan. When I don't have enough money in my bank account, I'm like, God, why have you forsaken me? Paul's chained in a Roman prison and he's singing God's praises and saying, everything's gonna work out according to his plan. He has that type of faith. He has that type of perspective because his hope is in Jesus. He continues, he continues. He says, God's purpose, God, this is important right here. What's better than God's purpose? God's plan, God's purpose. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, I've also heard the truth. Gentiles is like everybody else. You got the Jews, then you got the Gentiles, which is everybody who's not Jewish. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would be praised and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. That Holy Spirit, that's like God's stamp of approval. It's his, his seal. Like you ever seen Toy Story where Andy wrote on the bottom of Woody's Hill? The Holy Spirit, it's, it's like that, right? That, that when we put our hope in Jesus, when we begin to, to pursue him and focus on that relationship, that we get to, we get to live in his glory, but, but we get to, to operate under his power, his authority. Like that last song. That last song we, we sing tonight, right? We have authority because of who he is and who lives inside of us, but, but it requires us to put our hope in Jesus. It's not in your job. It's not in your family. It's not in your spouse. It's not in your ability. It's not in your position, your title. Your hope is in none of those things. And every time we falsely place it there, we struggle, we hurt, we fail. And we cry out to God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And he's like, just follow me. Just follow me. Put your hope in me. And they said, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. Think about that. A guarantee from God, the creator of everything. He guarantees you something, an inheritance. How, how incredible is this? makes you a part of, of his family. That's why Paul, in a dark, scary, dirty place, could sing God's praises. And this is exactly why we fail to do so sometimes, because we've lost sight of all that God's promised and all that God's done for us. He says, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us an inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So we would lift our hands. So we would seek him out. So we would seek out relationship with him and share him with people. He did this. So we would praise and glorify him. And when our hope is in Jesus, it's easier to do this second point. It's easier to treat each day as if it belongs to God. Treat each day as it belongs to God. That's point number two. And the reason you treat it that way, because it does. And when you forget that, when you live for you, right? When you treat the day as yours and you wake up and, and try to decide what you want to do absent of God's will. Well, one, your hope's in you again. And two, that day, 
You're, you're trying to rob it from, from God. You're, you're trying to take back something that's not yours. And so I want you guys to turn over to James. James chapter 4 will be in verse um, 13. Um, James was the half-brother of Jesus. And so it's just incredible, again, to, to hear his words, the things that, that he writes. Because, I mean, James, I mean, first off, he, he was convinced at one point that, that Jesus, his brother, was the Son of God. I mean, talk about a testimony to who Jesus was. If, if anybody could convince me that they were God, none of my siblings could do that, right? Unless they, you know, predicted their own death, burial and resurrection and pulled it off. And, and so here, um, James begins to testify about Jesus. He, he's wrote, written this letter. And, and in James 4, 13, it says, Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. And so he says, Look you who, who wake up and treat the day as it's yours. You who, who wake up and don't rely on God. You who, who try to, to rob the day from our creator. You who make plans. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Right? Well, what, what makes us so arrogant? None of us foreseen anything that happened in the last couple of years. Not, not one of us saw it coming. Every single one of us was blindsided. Except God. Right? I mean, it wasn't lost on him. And, and then here we have access to the one who created it all, the one that's outside of time. And we want to live our days as if they're for us. But we just learned last point, it's, it's meant to, to praise and glorify God, right? That's our purpose. That's God's purpose. And when we begin to approach our future with our hopes in Jesus, we can begin to understand that we need to treat every day as if it belongs to God. And when we do that, we begin to crush this. So how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. Again, this is the pregame. Today, this life, we, we treat it as if it's forever. We treat it as if this all there is, but, but God's word's revealed so much more. And, and when we, we serve him, when we serve his plan, when we serve his purpose, when we pursue him, we put our hope in him, God leads us to better things. I lived the first 30 years of my life for me, 30 years of every day being mine, 30 years of misery. And when we get this, when, when we get what Paul was saying and, and we begin to approach things differently, the, the, the yet to come, the future is so much brighter. Your tomorrow doesn't have to be dark. Your next year doesn't have to be dark. All your bills may not be paid, but you can have hope. You can have joy. You can have something better when you begin to pursue him and what he has for you. This is what you ought to say. Is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wants us to, we have to begin to treat each day as it belongs to the Lord. We have to begin to approach each day seeking his plan, his purpose, his will. And when we do that again, tomorrow looks so much brighter. This is otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. That, that we need to seek God we need to treat each day as it belongs to him. And I love this. There's uh, Colossians. We don't have to turn there, but Colossians 3, 23 through 24. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. There's that word again, inheritance. You know who gets inheritance? Children. Because we're God's children. We're part of his family. So you know, when you work this way, 
Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. When we work diligently for God, when we approach each day as if it's his, when we don't lose sight of our hope and the fact that it's in Jesus, we get to experience God's plan, his purpose, his inheritance for us, for you. What a, what a beautiful sight. And, and again, you may be in that dark place and, and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. What could be brighter than what God has for you? But you've got to be willing and open to, to seek it out. Live your tomorrow differently. And so again, work willingly at whatever you do as though the, you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Lastly, and this is probably the most important thing that I'll say all night, it's also my, my shortest point, um, but point number three is this, it's not about you. Ouch, right? Like, what do you mean my life's not about me? Your life, not about you. Guess what? You're, you're not the star. You're, you're not the center. You're not the center of your world. You're, you're definitely not the center of this world. It's, it's not about you. And it's the selfish self-centeredness that when we do that, and, and I'm victim of it all the time. I mean, that's what I do. I have to fight this off. But when we live life that way, it's a mess. You ever met somebody who's self-absorbed? We don't like them. Can we just say that, right? Nobody in here likes somebody who's full of themselves. But we live life that way, and we, we, we approach our walk that way. And we got to remember, man, it's not it's not about you. It's not about me. Remember, we go back to, to the beginning there in Ephesians. Uh, God's plan, his purpose is to praise and glorify him, that, that, that it's about him. He, he's at the center. We can't be at the center. We're, we're broken. We're messed up. That, that we've got to make him the focal point of everything. My marriage, my marriage is not about Janelle. It, it's, about, it's about serving Christ in that. And, and anytime I make it about me and her, my marriage sucks. It's, it's bad. It's bad. I'm bad. I, I, I don't treat her right. I've got to make her the center. Parenting my kids, same thing, right? If I make it about them, if I make it about me, I'm a bad parent. Can I say that? I mean, my kids will agree. My job, if I put myself at the center, if I don't work as if I'm working for the Lord, it doesn't turn out right. When, when we look at our lives, the thing that we've got to remember, that we've got to keep in front of us, it's not about you. It's not about you. I want to share with you out of Luke. Luke uh, 9, verse 23 is where we're going to be. Luke is one of the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the first four. They tell about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And then he said to the crowns, this is Jesus speaking here. So then he said to the crowns, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Not about you right? That's what he's saying. If any of you want to be my follower, you have to give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And, and I want you to know that, that when Jesus is talking about the cross, this isn't like we talk about the cross now, like something that we wear around our necks, we hang up on walls. But this was, um, this was the picture of torture and, and sacrifice. This was um, something that Romans used to, to humiliate people. It was the most brutal way to die, right? It wasn't hanging on grandma's wall when Jesus said this. It wasn't something pretty. He says, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. And, and that's what we do. We, we make it about us. 
We make it about our plans, right? That the day can't be for us. We put all our hope and our ability and our strength and we put ourselves at the center of our lives. And, and that's what leads to addiction. That's what leads to divorce. That's what leads to, to misery. And so many areas in the, the truth that, that God brought to us was that it's about him. It's about serving him, glorifying him, pursuing him. And, and something in our mind has convinced us that when we do that, we're missing out on some element of life. I mean, I did the same thing. I was so hesitant. Why? Why would I want to be a Christian? They don't have any fun, right? That All their movies are lame too, right? I mean, we get in that mode and like we're going to be missing out. But you know what I found? That was a lie. I've never been happier. I've never been more fulfilled. Sometimes I've never been more broke than I am now. So I'm just saying, I'm not, you may still be broke, but you're going to be a lot more joyful with that empty bank account. Man, you have a bigger smile on your face when you can't pay your bills. Uh, but it, it's so much better. It's, it's not about you. And so he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. I held so tightly to what I had that, that I let addiction eat at me for almost 20 years. And, and it almost took me multiple times, overdoses and, and things of that nature. And it was so close. And every time I read this verse, that, that's what I pictured in my mind personally. Your story may be different. Maybe you're in here and you've never, you know, went through addiction or anything like that, but, but you've got something that, you've, that you know that you've tried to hold on to and you can see how it's poisoned you. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Could be any number of things, but when you read this, put it in that context. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to keep you at the center and hold on to these things that, that God's told you to let go of, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? That we have to begin just to relinquish our life, allow him to be center, put our hope in Jesus and pursue him. And so to recap tonight, point number one is this, our hope is in Jesus. It's not your job, it's not your position, it's not your title. It's none of those things. Our hope is in Jesus. Number two, treat each day as if it belongs to the Lord, because it does. It's not yours. It's not for you. It's for him. Treat each day as if it belongs to the Lord. Number three, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about serving him, loving him, pursuing him. Some action steps tonight. Number one, honestly, evaluate the direction of your life and determine if it's driven by your desire or God's will. That's something only you can determine. You, you have to look inside and say, am I doing this for me? Am I, am I working myself to the bone for God or am I working myself to the bone for me? We, we have to evaluate that. Am I sacrificing here because this is God's will or, or is it my will? Evaluate um, <laughs> what it is and begin to relinquish it. Number two, Make adjustments where necessary. That's where you humble yourself. And admit, I missed it here. I gotta do it all the time. It stings, it's not any fun, 
but, but we have to get to that place where we're willing to let go and make adjustments where necessary. And so everything we talked about tonight, you know, when, when we, we talk about our hope in Jesus, when we talk about living for him and allowing the day to be his, it starts with relationship with him, right? And that relationship starts with trust. And so if you're in here tonight, maybe you're far from God, maybe you've never had that relationship, you've, you've never surrendered to him. Again, that's the place that it starts. That, that's the beginning. That, that's where it started for me. And, and it's the best decision I made. And I know this to be true. It'd be the best decision you ever made. And so if you're in here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, here at the end of service, we're going to have some people up front. And they would love to pray with you and pray for you and lead you into that relationship with God. It's where you realize that you can't save yourself. And, and you believe that, that he can. You recognize that, that he was the son of God, that, that he died to set you free and you make him Lord. So if that's you tonight, again, here in just a moment, you'll have an opportunity to do that down here in front. And maybe you've done that before and you've gotten off track and you've messed up and you've blown it and you need to recommit. I get it. We all screw up from time to time. We all have to reevaluate and to re-up, if you will. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you to come down front and just recommit to following him. And then maybe you're in here and God's just been tapping on you, saying that, that right there, you, you put that ahead of me. You, you love that more than me. And that right there, let go of that. And I mean, whatever that may be, if that's you in here tonight, I wanna encourage you to come pick up one of these white chips off this table and let somebody pray over you. There's nothing special about this. It's a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about when we step out of our comfort zone in faith and pursue him. And so if you're in here tonight and there's anything that you need to let go of, I wanna encourage you to come down front and lay it at his feet tonight. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You're in here and you just, you just need somebody to journey with you. We wanna be those people. I want you to know this, we love you. You walk through these doors tonight, you're family. We, we care about where you're at. We care about what you're going through and we would, we would love nothing more than to pray for you and pray for where you're at tonight. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer. I wanna encourage you to step out of your seat and come down front. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.